It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? to episode 768 of Locked On Raptors. I'm Vivek Jacob. I am again filling in for Sean Woodley because he decided to take time off during the playoffs, which is normal. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Today, I have an awesome guest with me, a superstar at Raptors Republic. We have Louis Zatzman on the show. How are you doing, Louis? Hey, man, I'm great. Thank you so much for the the kind intro the two kind intro for having me on and for the shade at sean that's that's my favorite part <laughs> of course you can follow lewis at lewis zatzman you can follow the show at locked on raptors at uh, on twitter you can find every single episode uh there's plenty more beyond the raptors as well if you're interested don't know why you would be for the 29 other teams <laughs> available on the locked on network there's also uh, you know, the, the other major sports leagues that you can follow as well. So feel free to go check it out. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. That's an important part of us being able to do what we do. For now, let us get right into it. Sean, uh, <laughs> I forgot that it was, wasn't Sean. I'm so used to Sean. Uh, Lewis, Raptors defeated the Nets in game two, 104-99. Sean usually asked me what my biggest takeaway was what was your biggest takeaway from this win I think my biggest takeaway is I mean against this Nets team we can't really project it going forward but against this Nets team are the Raps at their best on offense with Fred Van Vliet initiating and Mm. even if that's not true even if it's just you know a question that shows how far he's come right oh absolutely no question and I think the big thing that has sort of gathered steam here is the sort of elevated uh, range on his shot and the way that's opened up the floor for him, opened up the drive, and the way that opens things up for everyone else on the floor as well. What do you think of the way, uh, you know, teams are having to uh, sort of step out further up on him? We've seen, you know, obviously the Nets, they're they're big on dropping. They obviously changed their strategy and went all switch uh, on the Raptors in this one. What did you make of all that? Yeah, so uh, I actually expected more switching in the first game. Jack Vaughn seemed to seemed to like switching more than Atkinson before him, but it seemed like they opened in Atkinson's defensive sets of switching, of drop the deep drop, and Fred killed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit one three against the uh, the switch today where he just, it was the, the exact instant that Allen was caught in the middle. Fred canned a deep one, but other than that, uh, the three was sort of limited by him, at least when he was handling. But he did such a good job driving. I mean, he dusted Jared Allen more than 10 times, I'd say. Just drove right past him. When he didn't finish, he, you know, kicked out, created the offense. To me, he was just 
he was the lodestone that created good shots. He was the guy that got Toronto's offense going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we saw a key stretch where you had those 10 straight points. And I think that's one thing where you think about offensive lulls for this team. Obviously, we saw a little bit of it in the first quarter where, Oof. you know, okay, the Raptors aren't really able to get out in transition the way they usually do. How are they going to create? And again, you know, to your point, I think when Fred is showing this level of creation uh, and playmaking, I think right now, especially with the way the Raptors are on offense, where they're more than happy to ride the hot hand, you've got to keep riding Fred. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that something you think will be true against other teams? Or is that just the way the Nets are sort of situated? I, th- I think it does have a lot to do with the way the Nets play. I think potentially if you're looking further down the line against, uh, say, a Boston, then with their wings, I think the size becomes more of a deterrent in the way that they're able to switch but also maybe not uh, you know, be caught in mismatches the way the Nets potentially can be. And so I think, you know, especially, you know, we say size, I'm speaking specifically to their wings, where obviously now Gordon Hayward is going to be out for that series if it happens. But you're still looking at, you know, Jalen Brown on the floor uh, and uh, Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum. And so with them playing a bit smaller, uh, but with enough size to sort of take away Fred's strengths, I think that's where maybe you lean more towards uh, Siakam. And, uh, you know, we saw early in the season how great and how effective he can be. And I think that's going to be more of a strength in the Raptors. And again, they're able to go to what works and, you know, sort of figure out a way. And that's what we saw in this game, right? Over the course of the game, uh, they were mixing and matching and Nurse was trying to find something that would work. And a huge spark came from Norman Powell. Uh, it was great to see him get going in this one. wasn't too hot in the first one. He talked about identifying uh, some gaps that he can punch post game. What did you make of his performance in this one? Oh man, he just even this year when Norm's three hasn't been falling, which isn't a ton of games, he's sort of faded a little bit on offense. Even this year, which has been his career year, and in the past that's always been true. But this game, I mean, he opened up hitting a three, missed a couple after that. I thought, you know, maybe not Norm's game. That's okay. But he just came out and and attacked every seam. He had a couple really nice lefty finishes. He really pushed the pace in transition, particularly in that small lineup. To me, Norm is just, uh, he is almost the answer when Toronto's energy flags. This didn't feel like a playoff game at times to me. It was kind of weird. I mean, Kyle can always grift his way into points here and there. Like he'll have it in a, in a way, but when Norm pushes it to a hundred like that, that solves that problem for Toronto. That gets Toronto out of the law. You know, last year, the year before Siakam was the answer. It seems like Norm is that guy this year. And he was certainly that guy today. Yeah, no question. And, you know, let's maybe get a little into it. it. Obviously, the Raptors big struggled in this game, both Mark and Serge. Mark looked very, very frustrated at points. And uh, Nick talked about how Mark has some smaller bodies on him who were maybe forcing him to deal with uh, 
more in terms of you know just hacking at him and getting away with it and him just needing to fight through some of it where do you think mark's game has been in the bubble overall obviously he's had an incredible defensive impact on the raptors and offensively he does a great job of keeping the raptors in the flow but what were maybe your expectations seeing skinny gasol uh and where he where he's at with his game right now yeah it's a funny the expectations is a funny thing i mean I thought he would be the same, right? I mean, yeah. he lost a couple pounds, but he's had a great year, sort of the fifth or sixth option on Toronto's offense. Uh, you know, I didn't expect that to change. I mean, I was actually a little bit pleasantly surprised in the bubble. Um, he seemed to finish a lot more shots out of the roll. He was used a lot more as a roller than he was before, first of all, and he looked to shoot more rather than pass in the bubble. Uh, The thing about Gasol that I found today, though, that was a little less encouraging, this was the first game where I really was disappointed in him, was he likes to play at his own pace. He likes to be very smooth, um, almost like a jazz guy. But when people are really hacking at him, which will happen in the playoffs, right? Like you're switched on bigs, Mm -hmm. they're going to hit you. And -hmm. when that happens and his pace is not his own option – uh, he needs to just hit the guy back, get the seal, get the ball, put it in. Um, does he have that sort of punk rock edge? Can he come out of the jazz genre? And he wasn't able to today, which I thought was a little discouraging. Yeah, no question. Uh, it's definitely great to talk about Mark being on the court. He spent so much time off the court yeah. throughout the year. Uh And that's because sports are back, baby. I've been (laughs) waiting for this day since March. And now that it's here, I've got one thing on my mind. My bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up in a one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of Major League Baseball just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series Future Bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. That's LOCKEDONNBA. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. All right, Lewis. Back on that center front, you know... It's nice to see Mark back on the court. Uh, Serge had, you know, a, a solid game one. You, you you got what you would expect out of him. Uh, some struggles in this one. Did you think that there was maybe a, a window uh, for Chris Boucher to check in at any point? Actually, I did. Yeah. Uh, so I tweeted that I thought the Raptors should play small, play OG at five, and someone was like, "Well, what about Boucher?" And you know, in my head, I was like, "Shoot, I actually kind of forgot that was an option." <laughs> they ended up did playing small instead of Boucher. But yeah. uh, I think the thing that Nurse wants here is uh, you need to be solid, right? And, and mm-hmm. just w- no matter what your ceiling is, 
are you going to fall for fluff on the defensive end? And Gasol, maybe for the first time since he came to the Raptors, like two times I counted, fell for the wrong action, which he's never done before. It was weird. And Boucher does that fairly regularly. He's long and athletic enough to jump back into the play, still affect it. But, uh, you know, if you do make that mistake, and Terrence Davis makes it a lot too, I don't know if you're going to get time on this team in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think part of that is because I've been so impressed with Karis LeVert's decision-making. Yeah. I just think that, you know, for a young guy in game one, for that to be his first playoff experience and for him to have Fred Van Vliet on him and get blitzed occasionally and make the right read every single time in your first playoff game, that's a level of maturity that should stand out to the Nets organization. And even down the line, like, you have to be excited for the potential of him alongside Kyrie and KD. There's no way he's a trade candidate in terms of, you know, filling out the roster or whatever it may be. I think by all means, he has, you know, set himself a place uh, to play alongside Kyrie and KD. Yeah, you're not getting anything back like he is and like he could become. I completely mm-hmm. agree. His, I mean, he stood out to me so much in these two games just his ability to trick Toronto's defense at times, which I think only Luka Doncic did this year. It's um, like he had some wraparound passes after that sort of mid-range shot fake. And sure, he shot poorly from the floor. Siakam and Ananobi had wonderful defensive jobs. Like, yeah, the the compliments can only go so far. He's not going to lift the Nets to a win over the Raptors. Uh, A series win, he might... Nah, he's not going to lift them to a game win. What am I talking about? (laughs) Um, But just like you... Exactly what you said, you know, the the raw package, the decision-making stands out above the numbers, the scoring, the results. His his decision-making has been really good. Yeah, no question. And I think beyond that, when you look at this Nets team long-term, especially with the injury problems that... Kyrie has had when you look at Kevin Durant coming off the injury that he had I think to have someone that can sort of take on the responsibility of this level of gravity in the postseason uh, and sort of elevate to a secondary role if need be you know you obviously don't want to see anyone get hurt but I think these performances already have shown me that if he's needed he can even elevate to that secondary role and be a superstar is kind of when they need him to uh, going down the line. Yeah. And of course, Dinwiddie as well. I mean, this team has so many initiators Uh, Mm -hmm. and Jared Allen flashed in the first quarter, especially some really solid passing. I mean, on the short roll, he's better than I expected. He's impressed me more um, than I, than I was ready for coming into the series. Uh, This Brooklyn team, I think has done a good job collecting pieces that, um, for example, the Warriors did pre-Durant, guys who just make plays in space, make good decisions. Lavert is one of them. Allen's one of them. And yeah, yeah they're undermanned now. But Nets fans, Nets staff, Nets players should be really, really encouraged about what they're going to be getting next year. No question. And just a word on Jared Allen, because I thought, you know, I thought he should have absolutely been set in as the starting center at the beginning of the season, they should have been riding him throughout. Obviously, there's external factors that play into the 
playing time that DeAndre Jordan got. But when you see a game like today, I mean, he's such an important factor for their success. Um, and he plays, I thought even, even him again, decision-making to get the ball out, you know, to, uh, have those roles and, and, and still be able to find guys for open shots. I, th- I thought it, it spoke very highly of himself for this game. Yeah. He's there, you know, after King traded away all their first round draft picks, he was the one first rounder they managed to piece together to, to use kind of like Anunobi for Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, sort of prize development pieces on on both teams. Allen's <laughs> great, man. He's fun. He's a lovable guy. And this Nets team, I mean, tell me what you think about this, but it's kind of hard to, to root against them. Like, you know, Toronto is the huge, overwhelming favorite, and the Nets have played well and fun and made sort of moments of the series that I didn't expect to enjoy so much. Yeah, no question, because... I mean, I, I picked the Raptors to sweep the series, and this wasn't Same. meant as a, a diss towards the Nets or anything. I, did, I just think the Raptors are that good. And they're even in a game like we saw today, their ability to problem solve over the course of a game, uh, I think that's what sets them apart in many days, in, in many ways, where, yeah, they can have, you know, relative to their, their normal standards, a poor performance. And, and still come away with the win. And, you know, part of that, I feel, obviously, is coaching. But again, I, I look at the just complete trust they have in each other. We can sort of go back now to that closing five on the season, that lineup, right, of Kyle, Fred, Norm, OG, and Pascal played two minutes together on the season. Yeah. And says, okay, you know what? Those are the best five in this game. So that's what we're going to ride. It doesn't matter that they've only played two minutes together on the season. I trust that they will get the job done in this situation. Yeah, one thing I really appreciated Nurse saying in the post game was, you know, initially he said something like, um, you know, we wanted to jumpstart our transition game or some element. Uh, mm-hmm. And then later on, sort of a, a question later on in the post game, he was like, no, you, we just wanted our best five, which is like, Ibaka not having a great game, Gasol not having a great game. I appreciated the honesty that those five were, you know, they deserve their flowers and it was good of him to, to give the flowers to those guys. Do you see them having another role? Like, do you see that five having another minute to play in the series or even afterwards? Uh, If, if Gasol is struggling, sure. But otherwise, Um, no, no, I I think Gasol is too good. And I think his impact is too great on both ends of the floor to be left out if he's having a regular performance. Yeah. I, uh, so that's where I would say that this lineup, you know, won't see much time outside of this. But again, if Gasol does struggle and say, for example, you know, people are going to watch film of this and see that, you know, it did cause Toronto a few problems and say, hey, okay. Marcus well, Smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, what if we do switch the big and, Someone like Marcus Smart is going to be in there and agitating Mark and hacking in there. And uh, maybe that causes a few problems. And so now you are forced to go a little smaller. And so, again, I think I think that's a thrilling matchup, right? If you've got if you've got whether you want to call OG the nominal center or Siakam uh, matched up with Marcus Smart at center, uh, I think it's going to make for some very entertaining basketball down the line.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For sure. And I was a little concerned, just not to get too deep into the nuance, but I mean, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But, uh, you know, there were moments when Toronto... Pardon me? Oh, I I think I lost you for a second. Oh, sorry about that. I was saying not to get too deep into the nuance, um, but there were moments where Toronto... Uh, sort of in weird ways, chose not to go into the post on mismatches. Uh, one, Siakam was dribbling up in transition. Ibaka had Karis Levert on his back. Deep, deep position, tight seal. And uh, Pascal didn't dish it to him. It sort of decided to take it alone. Serge was very visibly frustrated. In another moment, Fred was trying to just throw a post entry into Gasol. And Gasol couldn't actually get a tight seal. It was very weird against a guard. I mean, Toronto was not super willing to hit the post uh, against guards. And I know that the Raptors were really trying to play dynamic, trying to play up-tempo, you know, penetrate pass-pass type of offense. But, I mean, if you're unable to take advantage of those post, you know, mismatches, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's not just, you know, taking advantage of the post uh, mismatches, the guards themselves, right? They've got to be able to punish uh, the bigs who are switched onto them as well. Exactly. And I thought, you know, that's where maybe Kyle could have done a bit more early on. Uh, I, I, I thought, you know, maybe there, there's a bit more where, again, Kyle is so unselfish, Mark is so unselfish. So it's almost like you're daring them to step outside of their natural yeah. personas. And that is the game in itself. And so I thought, that was an interesting question posed by the Nets. I think that's a question that potentially other teams are going to pose. And that's, to be honest with you, that's kind of how I'm viewing this first round. It's what are the questions the Nets are going to ask yes. that other teams are going to look at and say, hey, this is worth a shot. And what are maybe a couple of the key things? I think the, I think the switching thing definitely stands out where, you know, you, you switch the and and. You sort of dare Mark to be a scorer. You dare Kyle to be a scorer. Uh, what's maybe something else that stood out to you that potentially other teams are going to look at and say, hey, this is something we can go to? No, that's a really solid point. Um, on top of that, you know, on the defensive end, will Toronto just rot- like throw themselves into rotation without cause? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they do that a lot in the regular season just to muck it up, cause chaos. There were a couple times in the middle, the heart of this game, where Toronto threw themselves into rotation without any reason, and the Nets just got a wide-open wing three. Yeah, um, you know, if the Raptors continue to do that, they may force a few more turnovers. But you have to think that that isn't in their favor. Um, like their scheme is so radically aggressive that that other teams with a little more talent might have better chances of taking advantage of that. Right, right. And I, I think that's that's where we get into the margin for error, right? I think yes. the Raptors against a Nets team, they the Nets can come out and take, you know, a 15-point lead early. And 
and there's no reason really for doom and gloom because you trust that the Raptors uh, have the talent, have the time to figure it out and get back into it because of, let's face it, the experience disparity, yeah. uh, the uh, talent disparity as the well. size, but, the athleticism, you know, there's a million reasons. <laughs> All of the things. And you, when you look down the line, obviously that margin for error is going to decrease. And so the time to problem solve, the time to read and react is, you know, that's going to be challenged and that, that's going to have to be done far more quicker. And, you know, maybe uh, as, as opposed to, you know, waiting for the Nets to push the lead to, you know, eight or 10, or in some cases more than that, it, you, you nurse doesn't have the, the time to wait. He just calls the timeout right away and he's sticking with it. I, I thought, I honestly thought there was a stretch there where he was, just hoping Mark would get going and he was trying to be patient and just say, cause he's done it within in the past as well. Right. Where Serge has been the one struggling. And uh, I think all of us have been like, what is Serge doing on the court? Uh, and, and we go into halftime and Serge comes out in the second half and then he has a great second half. How many times and, in the playoff, right? That, that changed yeah. so many playoff games last year. Yeah. And so I think there was a bit of that in this one where uh, Nick was, just trying to, you know, sort of, I, I don't want to say give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been too good. Yeah. But I, I think he was just trying to give him a longer leash saying, you know, that's fine. Let's let's see how, how, how you take that, absorb that information and respond. And then it just it just didn't really happen for him. And that's when Nurse finally realized it was like, OK, we got to go another way here. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's one thing, as you say, the margin of error will be much tighter against other teams. Um, you know, another question I have that, I mean, we still had coming into the bubble is Toronto's half court offense, you know, when they're cold from three and other teams are getting back in transition, uh, mm-hmm. how are they going to get buckets, right? Who's going to get those points in the mid range at the rim? Um, Siakam has been a, uh, a, a good answer at times, a, a less of an answer at other times. You know, Kawhi was obviously the answer constantly last year, but, you know, you're going to go cold from three and you're going to have to win some of those games. Yeah. Uh, and so that's another question that the Nets have posed that I, I wait, I withhold the answer until we'll see from other series. Yeah, I think I think we can sort of finish up on this note because I think that's a really important point that you raise. And again, I'm going to go back to the potential series against Boston because I think that's where the Gordon Hayward injury is so significant because I think he's an absolute zone buster yeah. in terms of his ability to create off the bounce, his ability to pull up for that mid-range shot. Um, and I think if he's missing... Uh, it allows the Raptors to play a bit more of that zone. Because again, that that was sort of one of my other concerns uh, heading into a potential series with Boston. When you've got uh, players who can play make like Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward, uh, I don't think you can play the zone as much. And uh, I think this maybe opens up the window for that a bit more. I think it could potentially open up the transition game a bit more because again, that's so important for the Raptors to get out on the break. And uh, if you've got, you know, maybe a lesser ball handler on there, there's an opportunity to wreak havoc. And so, yeah, I think I think that's a great note to finish on. What do, what do you think of the potential impact of Hayward in a Boston series? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, Boston had, 
in Hayward and Tatum and Walker more isolation scorers, like more just go get a bucket guys than the Raptors have. Mm-hmm. Um, losing one of those three guys is is massive. Also a great shooter, great defender, great pass. You know, it's it cannot be overstated. I think he was the second or third most important guy for Boston that series. And just to come full circle here, though, you know, Van Fleet's back, shoulder, knees, and ankles being healthy and him yeah. becoming an elite finisher again um, yeah. also elevates him into that role for Toronto. And Absolutely. so... I mean, maybe it's just against the Nets. Maybe it's not. Maybe it'll be against other teams. But I think that has to be the single biggest takeaway from this game is that Van Fleet can punish a switch, he can punish a drop, and he can be that guy for Toronto as well as Siakam, as well as Lowry. Yep. I think I think the only thing I would add to that is just, uh, especially as we saw today, Norm's cutting ability mm. uh, and for players like Mark to be able to find him, that's another thing. Uh, that's just going to be a little, you know, spike to the offense, especially in those periods where it's like, okay, they're kind of taking away everything here. They're switching on everything, and it's just boom, that one little cut that gets you an easy bucket or gets you some free throws or gets him an, you know, a, an easy pop for three. Uh, that that's the other thing I think will be another X factor going down the line. Um, it's it's good. I enjoyed this test uh, from Brooklyn today. That that that's the type of thing that's going to sort of help. Uh, the Raptors sharpen their claws going down the road and hopefully, hopefully, you know, Jacques Vaughn's got something else coming in game three and then they can keep this going. Uh, actually, I do have one final question for you, if you don't mind. Of course. Uh, we always see, we're so used to, okay, two games on one home court. Now you've got to shift. We've got to go into an, uh, into a hostile arena and make that adjustment. How do you think, now just having a neutral arena where you're just coming back for game three and all you've got to go to uh, is more adjustments as opposed to maybe having some positivity from the crowd and whatnot. How do you think that plays out heading into a game three? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, home court advantage, I've seen some stats that it's still comparable, that home teams are still winning over 50% of games. I don't understand that. and I mean, now's not the right time to dig into that. But... <laughs> It's really just tactics rather than energy. And, uh, you know, Brooklyn could, for example, use more um, complex screening actions. They're just using simple stuff to get Levert switches. But who's he going to attack? Like, every Raptor can defend him well. Uh, they can use more Spain screen and rolls. They can use, you know, more complex stuff. But I think whatever they do... Exactly as you said, it'll just be warm-ups for Toronto. It'll just give them more more data on f- for future series, right? Exactly, exactly. And we actually have some breaking news. The Nets' Joe Harris has left the NBA campus in Orlando due to a non-medical personal matter. Wow, I had not heard that. It literally just happened. And uh, yeah, it just got the... Uh, push notification from Shams. So, well, that's going to change the series uh, and make it infinitely more difficult. I mean, he was probably Brooklyn's third best player, right? Yeah, no question. And yeah, I was looking forward to more tests from the Nets, but uh, based on that information, it is going to be very difficult for them to do that. I think uh, that is, albeit unfortunate, a, a good way to end the podcast. Lewis, uh, you've got your recaps going for Raptors Republic. 
uh, after each game. I'm, I look forward to that the next day. Everyone should be consuming everything that Lewis puts out there. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug before we go? Oh, man. You know what I want to plug is your player breakdowns. I'm reversing it on you. <laughs> You've been doing awesome work on RR, just uh, taking tactics, nuance for individual guys after every game. It's been a real pleasure. You know, I always learn stuff every time I read it. So that's what I'm plugging. Well, if you're going to be such a sweetheart, then I am also going to plug Minute Basketball, uh, your newsletter with Samson Folk. I think it's great stuff. It's extremely original and unique. And uh, I love the way that you guys are tying, you know, at the real stuff with basketball. And uh, if you're not subscribed, you should definitely subscribe. Make sure you do that. For now, that is going to be it. For this episode of Locked On Raptors, uh, they defeat the Nets 104-99 to take a 2-0 series lead in the Eastern Conference first round. I'm your host, Vivek Jacob. Follow me at Vivek M. Jacob. You listen to Louis Zotsman as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Louis Zotsman. Take care. Have a good one. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.